16th. The Penguins have lost three games in a row in regulation. And keep this in mind now. In the 34 games before this little skid, the Penguins had only five regulation losses. Good morning and welcome to Penguins Live Weekly. This is Paul Steigerwald with Brian Metzer, as always, Wayne Gretzky-Anderson at the controls, along with Chris Schwanke. And good morning, Mets. Uh, it's not something the Penguins coaches and players are used to. No, it's not been a good stretch for them, Stag, but good morning to you. We had a little snow on the ground this morning that took us by surprise, so we we took a step back in that regard, like the Penguins have. Um, when you just see the way they've played over this three-game stretch, there were a couple of test games in those three losses, uh, so you won't crucify them too much for those those two but then to go out and play the way they did against the devils kind of made some people raise an eyebrow around the league but yeah there, there's some a definite um change in dynamic of this team over the last week and a half here and, and they are certainly not used to it they're doing a little soul searching and that's what happens to a team that's accustomed to winning uh it's different if, you know if you lose 10 in a row now you get some serious problems but the penguins don't feel that way right now but they know that there's things they have to do better. The common threads when they were winning Mets, what were they? Well, for me, first of all, you were getting great goaltending. Your forecheck was outstanding. You weren't making a lot of mistakes. They were limiting the opposition's opportunities, and they still do that to a certain extent, but there's a lot more uh, mismanagement of the puck I mean, puck possession was a key for them as well. And now you see turnovers that were uncharacteristic for this team. They're doing those things, and they're going the other direction. And I would say most of the time in this three-game stretch, they're in the net. So they've got to clean all of those things up and get back to doing what they were doing probably at the beginning of that that 17-20 to 20 game stretch where they were really outstanding, where, where they 17-2. and two. I mean, that doesn't happen often. And some warts bubbled to the surface towards the end of that, and I think those warts are on display, and they're now paying for them. Well, they were scoring first. They were winning yep. first periods. They were out shooting opponents. They had structure. They were limiting high-danger scoring chances, as you were saying. They were getting incredible mm-hmm. penalty killing. Now the common threads, allowing first goals, yep. chasing games, turning the puck over, a little less structure, allowing more power play goals. So it's been a little bit of a reversal in that regard. And I hate to say it because it's kind of ridiculous, but it does, I think, bear mentioning. Teddy Bluger, since he went left, has been a big loss for the Penguins. It's messed up their structure, their balance of their lineup, and – you mentioned some numbers on the penalty killing since Teddy Bluger yeah, it's in got the, hurt. In the games without him, um, they're down around 70%, and they were at 90% in the first 40 games this season with him. Uh, so he's really impacted in that way. They've allowed the first goal, and everyone's talking about the last 10. Well, it's 13 of 17 games in which they've given up the first goal. So it goes back beyond this 10-game stretch, and it's – the teams that they were able to score first against most of the time are ones that they should have been able to beat, too. So the better teams are scoring on them first. They're coming from behind more often. And when you're doing that, you can overcome it on occasion. They did a great job of it. They're they're still lurking around 500 when they give up the first goal. But it's not a good habit. It's not how you want to play in the playoffs. And then they got news yesterday that Mike Matheson's out for a while. With an upper body injury. I was taken by surprise. I mean, he played the whole game the other night. He spoke post-game. We used his sound on our show, and then we get the news yesterday that he's going to be out, not even just something minor, potentially, week to week. So hopefully it's not something long-term. But Mark Friedman gets a chance, maybe P.O. Joseph. So we'll see here. Well, P.O. Joseph was recalled, and Mets uh, Tom Kostopoulos had some glowing praise for P.O. Joseph. He said the next time he leaves Wilkes-Barre, he'll never go back. That's what he said. I know I've heard some some 
other folks around the league, et cetera, just saying, you know, how's he not playing in Pittsburgh? He's been a good AHL player. I mean, he's starting to score a little bit more in terms of just collecting points. I think he was their third leading scorer or something uh, at the time of his call up. And you know what? We've all been waiting for it. This is a great opportunity for him. And hopefully if he does get his chance, he sticks around this time because he is a talented player. I think he will play today against the Rangers. I really do. And that is a big challenge for the Penguins coming up today. We're going to recap the only two games the Penguins play this week and delve further into how the Penguins have been playing so far in 2022. And we'll look ahead to today's game against the New York Rangers and speak with Joe Micheletti about their club. It's another hour of spirited Saturday morning hockey talk on the Penguins Radio Network presented by S&T Bank. Stop by Burgatory, Pittsburgh's favorite local burger joint, located at Section 206 at PPG Paints Arena. And with seven other spots around town, we're always easy to find. Burgatory, hell of a burger and heavenly shakes. Visit our website at purgatorybar.com. Hey there, hockey fans. Jim Shorkey III here, inviting you to check out our Kia starting lineup. The Forte Soul and our MVP, the 2022 Kia Sportage LX all-wheel drive for only $2.59 per month for 36 months with $19.99 do-it signing. And all backed by an unbeatable 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. We stock more and sell them for less. Your deal, your way. What a great day. Check them out at ShorkeyKia.com. See dealer website for lease details. Hey, Penguins fans, put some flavor in your season with Snapple. Here at Snapple, we are serious about flavor. Snapple's got tasty tea and real fruit flavors all mixed to perfection. So try some of our favorite flavors, including peach tea, diet peach tea, or Snapple apple tea at your local retailer. Snapple is the official tea and juice sponsor of your Pittsburgh Penguins. Put some flavor in your break. Make time for Snapple. No matter what level athlete you are, you know how to bring it. And you can't let a sports injury slow you down. Experts at UPMC Sports Medicine cater to the needs of athletes and active people of all ages. We offer individualized treatment plans, advanced surgical options, physical therapy, and more to get you back in the game sooner. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit upmc.com forward slash sports medicine. Stop by Burgatory, Pittsburgh's favorite local burger joint. Located at Section 206 at PPG Paints Arena. And with seven other spots around town, we're always easy to find. Burgatory, hell of a burger and heavenly shakes. Visit our website at purgatorybar.com. You're listening to Penn's Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. And this is Penguins Live Weekly. Paul Steigerwald, Brian Metzer. We're here every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. taking a look back at the week that was for the Penguins and also doing a little looking ahead uh, towards the end of the show. This week was supposed to be the last one of the Olympic breaks, so there were only a couple of games on the schedule. The first two of four straight divisional games, and last Sunday, the first of three meetings in 22 days with the Carolina Hurricanes. The Penguins had some early chances against Canes backup Antiranta, but for the 12th time in 16 games, the Penguins allowed the first goal. Kakaniemi first to it for the Canes, spins away from Matheson, pokes it deeper, Jarvis below the goal line, cuts behind the net, centers in front, trying to get a shot off there, and doing so and scoring is Kakaniemi. Yes, Barry Kakaniemi from right inside the hash marks, his second goal in as many games, and Carolina has the first one this afternoon, it's 1-0. 
The Penguins had two power play chances in the first period and gave up more scoring chances than they generated. It was one to nothing after one, and before you could say Tavo Teravainen, an old friend, made it two to nothing. Five defensemen for the Canes the rest of the way. Penguins attack right to left in this second period. Your second period faceoff brought to you by number one Cochran, and the Canes score. Jordan Stahl had a puck bounce off him atop the crease right through the legs of Tristan Jari. Nine seconds into the second, the Canes add to their lead. It's 2-0 Carolina. Mets, that was an unassisted goal um, for Jordan Stahl, but Brett Pesci took the shot from the right point. Jari misplayed it. He let the rebound pop out in front, and Stahl put it in. I don't know. Could, could, could Pesci have gotten an assist on that? They dole him out pretty generously usually, don't yeah, they? Yeah, there, there's been a couple plays like that recently where I've seen an assist not awarded on a play like that. So I don't know if it's because they were trying to say um, he tried to play it or something after he made a stop. It, you know, it was it was interesting. But, yeah, you're right. I was a little surprised by that myself. Well, Tristan Jari stood on his head and made a sensational save on Sebastian Ajo before Chris Letang bolted onto the ice from the bench and started a sequence in the offensive zone that led to the Penguins' first goal. They'll put it up the right wing, picked off by Letang. In come the Pens again. Letang, cross-ice pass for Gensel. Right side for Malkin. Back to the high slot. Letang hammers one. Right pad save. Ronson rebound. They score! The Rusty Razor. Brian Rust atop the crease, and the Pens have life in the second. 2-1, 5-17 to go in the second period. The Penguins had kind of been on their heels, Matt, so ever since they had those failed power plays in the first period, but Latang was certainly on his toes there, and he was on the ball. I mean, he came off the bench and just came bolting across the ice. That was a heck of a play. No, you're exactly right. And speaking of him, I just wanted to mention, I, I, I was re-looking at the, the stall on assisted goal here. It may have touched Chris Latang when it came out because he was right there, and but it doesn't jump at all. It goes kind of right to Jordan Stahl, but Latang reacts like it maybe nipped his stick, and maybe that's why they took the assist away. But still not possession. Though. No, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I just I wanted to see it again just so we could uh, answer that question for you. Yep. And um, so Latang came off the bench and led to that goal by Rust. It was a great play. It was great. The, the crowd was alive. The Penguins were back on their toes, and Sidney Crosby cranked one up for the tying goal. Toes. Here comes Crosby looking to tie it down the left wing. Winds and blast. He scores. The captain ties it up with 2:01 to go in the second. So it was a brand new hockey game going into the third, and you could watch 3,000 hockey games <laughs> and not see what happened for a second time in the game. Canes come in down the left wing. A shot there at the right circle. They score. And just like in the second period, nine seconds into the third period, Jesper Faust has given the Canes the lead, now 3-2 Carolina. That was a Faust goal. It was <laughs> certainly Faust. A couple times in this game, as you pointed to, Stag, I don't... It was, and then that was a real backbreaker too, because the Penguins had a ton of momentum after the way they closed out the second. Those two goals from Rustin Crosby seemed to get them on the right track, and lo and behold, there it was, nine seconds in. Sebastian Ajo scored a power play goal after Latang took a slashing penalty trying to stop Andrei Svechnikov on a breakaway. And with less than two minutes left, Evan Rodriguez got off the schneid as he scored a power play goal to make it a one-goal game. Off Rodriguez into the left-wing circle. Rodriguez tracks it down. Back to Latang. Right wing for Malkin. 1.15 to play. Malkin across Rodriguez. A blast. He scores! 
That one's got to feel good for Erod. Penguins need one more. A PPG for PGH, and it's 4-3. Man, Erod was having a tough time getting on the board there ever since Evgeny Malkin returned to the lineup, so it was nice to see him get a goal. I think it was his first in 18, because like, yeah. he had gone 18 without a goal. You're right, and I think, you know, really um, – I wouldn't have played that goal because it really didn't mean much in the grand scheme of things, except that it meant a lot to him, and maybe, just maybe, it gets him going again. Optically, the Canes, I thought, were the better team in that game, but not by much, Betts. There were some weird things that happened in that game that kind of worked against the Penguins, like those two goals in, in nine seconds at the start of each period. You're never going to see that again, maybe, in your life. Uh, but didn't you just feel like the Canes were playing with a little more confidence, a little more swagger than the Penguins were playing with? in that game on Sunday? Through the first part of it, for sure. Uh, I I just, you know, the, the Penguins maybe hadn't seen them in a long time. We addressed this when we did postgame that day, Stag. I, I don't know if it was a matter of hearing how good they are, how well they skate, and then kind of being caught by surprise when they actually saw it for the first time. Because what I almost forgot, and it was uh, something that really jumped at me, this was the first time they had played since the last game before the shutdown on uh, March 8th of 2020. So, when you, you saw a team essentially almost two years ago, and a lot has changed in those two years. It's a different you know Hurricanes team today than it was then, and Penguins certainly were blindsided through the first 30 minutes or so until they got their legs going. They, they turned the tide a little in the second period, and I thought they played pretty well the rest of the game, but unfortunately it was too little too late. And the Penguins' first power play unit really sapped them of uh, any momentum or mojo, I think. And that's unusual because their power play has just been sensational since the start of the year. But they were facing top penalty-killing team in the league. Uh, So that may have been a factor, too. We can't blame it all on the power play as much as maybe giving credit to the Canes. Uh, As Sully said after the game, it's hard to play a perfect hockey game. And that's (laughs) probably a good summation of what happened there. It was not a perfect game for the Penguins. And they they gave up one, too, Stag, the other way to the the Hurricanes. Yeah, that's right. They did give up Shorty. So the Canes Or I mean uh, a power play goal to them. Oh, the power play goal. Yeah, yeah. So the Canes take first place uh, in the game, and that was a, a showdown of sorts, a measuring stick game. It didn't go well for the Penguins in the final analysis. No, um, it, it's disappointing, but the good news is you, you'll face them a couple more times, and I think they will be better prepared for what they bring uh, in terms of their all-around effort, their speedy forwards. I mean, this is a game that early on, Aho, uh, Spechnikov, um, I just when you when you see these guys. And I, I don't know. I, it was everybody on this team. Even Vince Trocek had some really, really beautiful scoring chances. And you got to speak to the to the goaltending they were able to get. And unfortunately, I, I know I said this in our post game analysis. I felt like for for Jari Stag, it was one of his best games that I've seen him play uh, in a little while. And he comes up on the wrong end of a four three score. Well, he made a lot of sensational saves. And I, after after further analysis, Matt, so looking back at that game and getting ready for this show, I. I feel like he, he didn't play that uh, puck well on Pesci, yeah. and that led to the goal by Stahl. And he kicked was a big, it right you know, out. Yeah. It was a big deal. Yep. You know, he, just, he didn't handle that cleanly. So the Penguins had a day off, a couple days of practice before hosting the Devils Thursday night, and another bad start and another goal off a scramble in front of the net led to an early New Jersey lead. Dougie Hamilton back in the devil lineup after missing the last 17 games. The broken jaw feeds it up the right wing for Heischer. Down the right side, a pass broken up by a sliding Marino. Loose atop the crease, and a chance at the near post is put in. Puck kind of fumbled over to Jesper Brad at the left wing, and he puts it past Jari. The Devils, just a minute and 16 seconds in, take the lead. It's 1-0. Great stop by Jari off the backhander from Heischer between the hash marks as it rolls to the right side. 
Scooped up by Rodriguez, turns it over, right circle, Brad shoots, he scores! And Jesper Bratt has two in his return to the lineup, capitalizes off the turnover there, and the Devils have two. It's 2-0, 14-13 to go in the first. So Brad had two goals before he could say Yegor Sharon Govich, and <laughs> less than a minute later, Jeff Josh Getzoff did say Yegor Sharon Govich. Back to the point it comes in the attacking end for the Devils. Subban down low, a shot, they score! Sharon Govich goes upstairs over Jari. And New Jersey with three goals in six minutes and 44 seconds have a 3-0 edge here in the first. Now the shots were 13-1 to in favor of the Penguins for a stretch in the second period, but that one against went in. Dawson Mercer made it 4-0 before the Penguins finally got a power play goal off the rush by Evgeny Malkin. Here come the Pens back in. Crosby hits Malkin, streaking to the net, shoots and scores! And there's the PPG for PGH the Penguins needed. Balkin finds the twine. It's 4-1 with 8.47 to go in the second period. Good description. He was streaking towards the net. He did snap it upstairs. Uh, the Penguins were having trouble elevating the puck early in the game against uh, Nico Dawes, who was playing his first game ever against the Penguins. And he had made a lot of good pad saves, but I felt like the Penguins weren't lifting the puck up over those pads, making him look a little better than he is. Uh, but Gino, man, he snapped that baby into the net. The Devils got a power play goal of their own from Damon Severson chasing Jari for the first time this year, and they added one more on Casey DeSmith for a 6-1 to win after the game. Sid pretty much identified the problem. Sid, it's only three games, and at the same time, it seems like there's a little bit of a pattern uh, formed here, not a good one. What's it going to take for this team to snap out of it? Oh, I think it's just... Starts with a good start. You know, that would go a long way. We could give ourselves a better start. Uh, we've been chasing games here the last few, and it hasn't uh, hasn't turned out great for us. So I think if we just start there and try to put a few periods together, um, you know, we've we just got to be better. You know, we're not uh, we're not playing the way we're capable right now. Stuff on your right. This game specifically, it didn't seem like it was just one thing, like the power play or defense. It seemed like it was. Uh, we just you gave up some pretty good chances. I mean, chances that you can't afford to give up consistently, especially early on in a game like that where they can jump on it. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I just I look at the start. You know, we had a good second. It's just it seems like it's taken us a while to get into games, and by that time we're chasing the game. It's happened pretty much in. For sure, the first, uh, sorry, two of the three. But um, yeah, we're chasing the game, and you know, we're just we're not executing anywhere. Well, so is there anything about the style? I mean, like, have you guys gotten away from some of the stuff that was working for you early in the season, and, and what has led to sort of that? I wouldn't say it's one thing. I mean, I think you know, when you look at being in situations where you're not playing your game, you just you have to simplify things and. Uh, you know, it starts with just winning battles and competing, and um, everything kind of seems to follow. You know, when you have those details. So I think right now, just starting with that and trying to build from there. But it doesn't happen overnight. You know, you've got to you got to string some periods together, and uh, we haven't done a good job of that. And the result has shown that. Sid, you know, this is the first game all season that Jari was pulled in the middle of the game, um, giving up five goals. Do you feel like that was? Reflective of the way you played, or how do you feel like you guys played in front of your goalie tonight? No, I don't think we gave them a lot of help. You know, I mean, both of them really. I don't think uh, we gave them, uh, you know, a great chance as far as 
allowing them to do what they need to do. You know, we gave up some pretty pretty good opportunities. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's something that we've got to we've got to be better defensively, you know, as a group and limit those chances. And, and I think eventually things will come from there. Sid, you mentioned a couple times, used the word chase, chasing the game. Um, you've done that effectively, successfully enough to come back in games. Are you perhaps, have you done too reliant on that? And is that leading to some of the issues with the starts that you mentioned? Yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. Sometimes you, you start well and you don't get the lead and you've got to come back. I mean, there's a difference. There's a, a big difference between, you know, playing well and not having a lead and having to come back. And you have to do that sometimes. But... We haven't given ourselves really a great chance with the way we've played to get leads. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't mean the game's over because you don't have a great start. But as far as trying to, to find a way to turn this around quickly, I think, you know, a good start would, would be the way to do it. So look for the Penguins to come out flying today against the Rangers, I would say. And Sid might have some, uh, you know, smoke coming out of his nostrils when he comes onto the ice today and for that first uh, shift of the hockey game. And, Mets, where do you think the anatomy of a good start is? Well, you have to come out skating, first of all, and I think that the Penguins haven't had their legs sometimes at the beginning of those games where they've been a little blitzkrieged uh, in a first period. Uh, so I think that's been a, a big key is that they just kind of seem like it's taken them a little bit to get going, and you stir in a little bit of poor puck management with your inability to skate the way you need to, and they're paying for it. So... I think that's the biggest thing. You have to just come out ready to to skate with your opponent. And there's been games recently where at least for the first 10 minutes of a game or something, they've kind of not looked that way. I they mean, don't I, have the jump. No, right? they're, they're, the jump is not there. And we, we uh, Borky made a good point when we did, uh, we had a question from a tweeter the other night. And they said, you know, is this just who they are? Do they need to have the adversity of falling behind a little in a game? And he said, we feel like we're almost making a little bit of excuses for them at times. And I think we all did that because if you recall, we were sitting here, was it an emotional letdown from Sid's 500 goal whenever they went into the game against what the Maple Leafs. And then right after that, well, is that, is there still a little bit of a carryover from that? And now it's like, well, we're far enough away from it. That shouldn't be lingering anymore. So what's the, what's the excuse or the same thing. Was it an afternoon game? you know, malaise, because sometimes when they start early, they're not, they don't have their legs under them. So I, I think all those things have really afflicted them lately. And, you know, sometimes a, a good start comes from a big save early. Um, True. I'll give you the greatest example of that. Remember in the game seven in the playoffs in 2009 between the Penguins and the Capitals when Ovechkin got that great chance on the first shift and Flurry made a great goal. Yeah, essentially a breakaway. Yeah. So sometimes your goalie has to prevent the other team from scoring the first goal. And then you get the first goal later because of that. So there's different ways to get off to a good start. Yep. The Penguins have had a lot of loose pucks around the doorstep lately. They're not cleaning those things up very well. And Mike Matheson mentioned that after the game against New Jersey. Like this loss, it didn't seem like it was one or two areas of the power player turnovers, things like that. It seemed like a very thoroughly complete loss, if that makes sense. Um, just what led to such a rotten start and ultimately a bad, bad result, I guess? Well, I think, like you said, it was everything. You know, there wasn't really one one specific area of our game that, that uh, wasn't, wasn't good enough, and there's no excuse for that. It was just, we just weren't good enough tonight. Mike, if you look a little bit 
bigger picture, uh, it seems like there are some recurring themes that are emerging. Do you feel like there are certain things that you guys consistently haven't been doing the last three games or maybe the last 13 when things haven't gone quite as well for you? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, our net front has definitely been an area, I think, all, all year that we've been trying to get better at and, and we haven't quite made it there yet. And so I think, especially as a defenseman, that's one area that I've been focused on a lot and, and trying to get better at. Um, but again, that's, that's kind of, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me as a defenseman. Yep, and yesterday Mike Sullivan was asked about the importance of that play in front of the net, defensively and offensively. It's the hardest area in the rink to defend. Uh, and so uh, it's such an important aspect of, I think, a team's overall uh, success and their ability to win is controlling the net fronts at both ends of the rink. We've got to get to the net offensively and fight for that ice. And then defensively, we've got to, we, we've got to try to control our net front. The way you do that is is you've got to get into you got to get into people you got to control people, and then look for pucks. And sometimes we have a tendency to look for pucks first, and and when when that occurs, what happens is is you fall victim of happenstance. The the, the spray or the rebound's going to go somewhere. You can't always control where that's going to go. And if you're looking for pucks, if it doesn't go to a uh, to an advantageous spot, then you're at a disadvantage. And, and that's usually when, uh, when that next opportunity presents itself. So, you know, I, I think part of it is just the mindset or the strategy or the heightened awareness of getting control of people first and foremost and getting body position and tying sticks up and then finding pucks so that, so that we don't fall victim of that happenstance that, that can take place just by delivering pucks to the net. I mean, that, that's one of the ways teams manufacture offense. And because I've I've been always been a big believer that it's the hardest area in the rink to defend, and nothing breaks coverage down better than a shot on goal. So Mike Sullivan uh, wanting better play in front of the nets, and uh, Mets. When you think about it, uh, rebound control is a big part of that. We saw no a couple doubt. problems there. I think with Jari, it's <laughs> not something that's been a problem for him for most of the year. But you're going against good teams. It doesn't take much, does it? One time where you just don't play the puck right and it ends up in your net. Uh, obviously, the Penguins have to take the man, as, as Sully said, rather than focusing on the puck, take the man, and in the offensive zone, screen the goaltender and shoot the puck. You're exactly right. Uh, the Penguins, over their last 13 games, this is a span I was looking at with no Teddy Bluger, uh, just to tell you there, they've given up three goals a game over that span, which is higher than they were, and they were a lot better defensively. They're only scoring 2.85 a game. Their penalty kill dropped to 71%. And just to give you one more quick thing here, the um, going back to January 27th, which is a, where they had that little losing sw- you know, swan song there. They're 4-4-3 four, four, and three since then, by the way, since January 27th. Their leading goal scorer is Rust with eight. Geno, Crosby, Gensel each have four. Danton Hine and two. Then you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys with one goal. So they're not getting a lot of secondary scoring now either. So when you see that, it's all on the big guys. And when they don't score, they give up too many. They can't get out of the hole, and they're losing. They're losing hockey games. Yep. And I think you know when it, <clears throat> when you see that little stretch where guys aren't scoring, then coaches start juggling lines, looking for the right combinations to develop some chemistry. I think we've had a lot of that. You know, and my thing. You know, I've said it before, Mets, and I'll say it again. 
maybe I say it too much, but it's kind of my, my little thing. Role definition plus continuity equals structure. If you have too many guys playing in different positions and playing with play people they're not familiar with, you don't get the necessary role definition where guys are thinking, well, you know, I don't know, what am I today? Am I a right wing? Am I a left wing? Who am I playing with? And then if you have continuity and guys have that feeling of their defined yep. roles, that leads to the structure that we're missing right now, Agreed. in my opinion. And I think the second and third lines have been kind of a mishmash here. Yeah, I mean, you can make a <clears> case a that the the bottom three lines under the Sid line essentially have been juggled to a certain extent. I mean, you've seen Carter go from wing to center, Erod wing to center. I mean, Brock McGinn up and down. So to your point, everything's been a little bit mixed up in there, and I think everybody is kind of at a loss for what their role actually is. Okay, we'll be back, and we're going to have, uh, assuming we get them on the line, I hope we do, uh, Joe Micheletti, the renowned broadcaster for the New York Rangers, who actually is working the outdoor game today in Nashville. We'll have him on the phone in a moment on the Penguins Radio Network, presented by S&T Bank. Hey, Pittsburgh Penguins fans, this is Selena Pompiani. You know what's as classic as Jeff Jimerson singing the national anthem at a Pens game? Glidden paint on your walls. Glidden premium interior and exterior paint is easy to use, affordable, and provides a great-looking finish. Oh, and it's available online and in stores at the Home Depot starting at under $20. Skate full speed into your next DIY project with Glidden by PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins. This message is brought to you by the members of Steam Fitters Local 449. Ever ask yourself, what is a steam fitter? Well, a steam fitter installs and services heating and air conditioning equipment in offices, hospitals, schools, and other commercial buildings. Steam fitters install and service refrigerator systems in supermarkets, retail stores, warehouses, and laboratories. Steam fitters work on process pipe. Process pipe systems are in energy and manufacturing plants of all varieties. To see the Steam Fitters Local 449 new training facility, visit the website at ua449.com. Get-Go Cafe and Market is so much more than fuel and convenience. Every day is Fish Friday at Get-Go. Now that the captain is back, crunch into crispy beer-battered 100% wild-caught North Pacific cod, topped with melty cheese, all-American sauce, and tangy pickles, all served on a sub, buttery brioche roll or wrap, starting at just $5.99. And don't forget about the Skipper Shrimp Po' Boy. Nothing spices up the fish fry like a beer-battered shrimp sandwich. Get-Go Cafe Plus Market. Better believe it. My work has been seen by millions. My work helps save lives. My work has gone platinum. Because I helped deliver the Vince Lombardi Trophy, life-saving medical devices, and equipment that records the biggest hits. I work at FedEx. Apply now at FedEx.com slash careers. FedEx, where now meets next. You're listening to Penn's Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. And we welcome you back to Penguins Live Weekly. Paul Steigerwald along with Brian Metzer. And we welcome now to the program Joe Micheletti, one of the really good guys in hockey. And uh, working today down in Nashville, Tennessee, for that outdoor game between the Predators and the Tampa Bay Lightning. But he is also, of course, the color analyst for the New York Rangers, uh, along with Sam Rosen. And the Penguins are playing the Rangers this afternoon. So, Joe, I know you're not doing the game today because it's a network game as well. But uh, you having fun down there in Nashville? They always do a great job with big events. I saw that in the Stanley Cup Final in 2017. Welcome to the show. Yeah, it's great. 
Hey, Saggy. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. Hi, Brian. Hi. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, Nashville, you remember that from the final. I mean, it's just they, they closed down Broadway, and and uh, for an event like this, they just they have everybody coming out. So so I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be – there are going to be over 65,000 people in the football stadium, and you've got two really good teams that uh, that are going to go at it. Uh, so the whole the whole atmosphere here has just been fabulous. We're excited about the game this afternoon. It's been a long time uh, between uh, the last times the Penguins and the Rangers met. It's kind of ridiculous, really, that we're talking about a first game between two division rivals uh, in late February. But uh, better late than never, Joe. And what are your thoughts on today's game between the Penguins and Rangers? I'm sorry I'm missing it, to tell you the truth. I'd, I'd like to be there for that because I'm I'm like you. I can't believe that uh, that they haven't played yet uh, this year. And you know they're so close to each other in the standings. Uh, the game means obvi- obviously means an awful lot. Um, you know I've been really impressed with both teams. I mean I think you know both coaching staffs have really done a good job, especially with all the injuries that uh, that your team had uh, early on. I think you know I just think the world of Mike Sullivan and both as a person and as a coach. And uh, I just I just think he's done a marvelous job of coaching this team. So you've got you know you got you've got that. And then you've got the Rangers, which is a team that's kind of been on the rebound for the last few years. And they have a lot of young players that are, uh, that are part of their growth along with some of the, you know, some of the really high end players that are having outstanding years. And then, uh, you know, for the Rangers, and you'll see this today, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's probably playing is uh, the goalie, Igor Shesterkin, who's just been, he's just been all world this year, especially early in the season, but he's just been so consistently good that uh, that any mistakes this team makes are generally covered up by him. So uh, so I'm and, and I know I know Tristan Jari's come back with a real solid season too. So you know you get all those different elements, and I I just think it's going to be a heck of a game. Hey Joe, thanks again for doing this with us. Uh, you kind of mentioned it there, the goaltender. I know I've heard people around the league kind of say, oh well, that's all they are. Uh, the Rangers are just so much spearheaded by the work of Shesterkin this year, and he has been outstanding. Um, how how important has he been? Because some of the numbers that you look at in terms of shots per game, they're not quite as low as you'd want, maybe not scoring as much as you'd like to see, but he's been able to offset all of that. So is it a matter of he has been the, the main reason why they've been able to leap up as much as they have this season? Or do you think that this is really rounding into a pretty good hockey team? Because there are a lot of really outstanding pieces there. Yeah, there really are, Brian. And I think when you, when you look at the numbers um... – Numbers can be skewed, as you guys know. If you've been in sports sure. long enough, you can you can find any kind of numbers uh, that you can even that you can that you can look at and and find a, a find a, a, a positive out of it or a negative. And yep. so, I think for the Rangers, I, I'll try to keep it simple. They started the season um, their first ten, twelve, fourteen games. They were terrible defensively, and that's where Shesterkin you know, was able to win games on his own. And then they made, a, they made a little change the way they play in their own zone. And from about the 12th or 14th game on, they've been a much better team. And so they've had some ups and downs because if you look at their defense, you know, they're still really young. You know, they've got some, you know, they got a 20 year old playing a 21 year old, two guys that just turned 24. Yep. So it's a really young defense that makes mistakes that time, but they're getting better. And so, uh, so that's been part of the process. Some of the younger players up front uh, are also still growing. And again, there's some 
20 and 21 year olds that are that are tr- that are trying to uh, uh, you know trying to have an impact on the team. Uh, but the team as a group defensively really got better from about mid-November on, and uh, and they've been pretty consistent that way. When you look at the shot totals, you know this is a team that can drive you crazy at times because they don't shoot. You know when you're when you're talking Panarin, Strom, Zabanajad, uh, Kreider. You know they, these players that they play such an unselfish style that you think here's a great scoring chance and they pass it up and you go oh but then <laughs> we've seen that score. before it sounds like penguinitis yeah, Joe right. yeah guys, they, we see that a lot here you guys have seen that. <laughs> right and then they then the goals they score right are highlight real goals and you go boy that's going to be the goal of the year <laughs> you know right so that's what you know so uh, and and Gerard Gallant the, the head coach has done a really good job I mean he's uh, uh, you know, he's just, he, he allows his team to kind of run itself. And so, you know, as he says, he said, listen, I don't want to take their creativity away from them. Yes. There are games when I, you know, would, would like to just see the puck, you know, get dumped in the zone instead of a turnover at the blue line or at the red line. And that's, and that's their problem, but it, it comes from unselfishness more than anything. And so that's why their shot totals generally aren't what other teams are because they, they tend not to shoot all that much. We have about 30 seconds, Joe. I just want to ask you real quickly about the bottom six and just the feeling of whether or not this team's more built for the playoffs uh, than maybe uh, it would have been last year with the additions of Barkley Goudreau and Ryan Reeves. And I don't know much about Morgan Barron, uh, you know, Dryden Hunt. There's some names on here that we're not that familiar with. So maybe a quick scouting report on how the Rangers are built from the maybe bottom six down. You know what? It's made the team different, and it's made the team more difficult to play against. And I agree with you, Staggy, from the standpoint that these are the types of players that you need, I think, to go on a long uh, playoff run, even though the Penguins, I think, did it with without a lot of size and mostly skating, moving the puck back, you know, a couple of cups ago. Um, but this is a different team. You know, and Ryan Reeves is a, is a, is a player that uh, demands a lot of respect. And I think the opposition goes, well, if we're going to try and take liberties, then we're going to have to pay the price. And so that's given the team – uh, a team toughness that they didn't have before, and uh, it, it certainly allows their high-skilled players to be more comfortable. So, yes, it's been an important part of why uh, the team has turned things around. Joe, we really, really appreciate you yeah, taking the stuff. time because I know you're really busy down there with the Nashville game outside and everything. So thank you so much for coming on the radio with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you down the road here. Hey, Staggy, it's always a pleasure, and it's never a problem. So anytime uh, you need me, let me know. It's great to be on with you guys. Thanks. Thank Thanks, you very Joe. much, Josh. Joe Micheletti, color analyst for the New York Rangers and also working the national broadcast today of the outdoor game in Nashville, Tennessee. Back with more on Penguins Live Weekly in a moment on the Penguins Radio Network, presented by S&T Bank. Hey, Pens fans, this is Josh Getzoff. This season, Vector Security is giving away a free home security system for life to one new customer every Friday. So if you're going to the game, look for the Vector Security logo in the lights and on screens throughout the arena and enter to win. Or you can enter anytime by visiting Vector Security on Facebook. As the official security partner of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Vector Security wants to help you defend your house for life. 
Pens fans, how well do you know 2-6? You've seen our red logo on the ice, but did you know that we're a multi-billion dollar technology company headquartered right here in Penguins territory and entering our 50th year of operation? At 2-6, our vision is a world transformed through innovative materials vital to a better life today and the sustainability of future generations. 2-6, materials that matter. Your business is growing. Now what? The bankers at ST Bank are ready to discuss your concerns and help provide you with what you need for your business to succeed. Stop by and visit one of the local offices and talk options with a banker today. Or go online at stbank.com or call 800-325-2265. ST Bank, member FDIC. I'm attorney Edgar Snyder. I'm a die-hard black and gold fan, and I never like to hear that our athletes are injured. At Edgar Snyder & Associates, we know how serious injuries can be. They can keep you out of the game. Or if you're an accident victim, injuries can sideline you from your life. At Edgar Snyder & Associates, we help get you off the sidelines and back in the game. For a free consultation, call one 800 9 for edgar or visit edgarsnyder.com. And remember, there's never a fee unless we get money for you. You're listening to Pens Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. Well, February 22nd was the anniversary of the gold medal victory of the U.S. over the Russians. And why was that such a big deal? Well, because the Russians had invaded Afghanistan, and it was a, a very contentious time. Um, and people of the United States were in a very patriotic mood, and it represented a lot more than a win in a hockey game. I can tell you that. It was huge. We all know that. And uh, so there have been times throughout history in hockey where real world collides with hockey. And yesterday, Alexander Ovechkin was asked to comment on the situation with the Russians having invaded Ukraine. Um, obviously, it's a hard situation. Um, you know, um, I have lots of friends in Russia and uh, Ukraine, and it's hard to see uh, the war. Like, I hope uh, soon it's going to be over and um, it's going to be uh, peace in the whole world. Do you support Russia's invasion of Ukraine? Um, like, I'm Russian, right? Um, sometimes, like, something, some, something I can control, you know, it's not in my hands. Um, how I said, like... I hope it's going to end soon and uh, it's going to be uh, peace in uh, both countries and, uh, you know, um, I don't I don't control this one. Alex, uh, specific to uh, President Putin, you've shown your support for him in the past. You know, you have pictures, we've seen the pictures of you with him. Do you still support him as he leads this invasion of Ukraine? Well, he's uh, my president, um, but how I said, like, I'm not in politics, like, I'm an athlete. And, um, you know, um, how I said, uh, hope is everything is going to be done soon. Um, you know, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's a hard situation right now for, uh, both sides and, uh, um, everything like how I said, everything I hope uh, is going to be end and, um, I'm not control, uh, uh, this situation. The last 48 hours. So they kept asking him about it. I think he pretty much made his point of what he wanted to do there. I don't think it was a bad thing to ask him. 
I don't at all, especially in Washington. I just I just feel like it was going to happen. And because Ovechkin had supported Putin in the past, he had a thing called Team Putin, and uh, he was he was pictured with him and so on. So I get that. But then I felt like they kept grilling him, Mets. You know, and it's well, like they didn't get you, the answer they wanted. Yeah, you they're know? grinding like, his gears, and it's like, what do you want him to do? And, and the irony of this is that in this world of cancel culture, the the same people who would cancel someone at the drop of a hat or don't understand how seriously he could be canceled if he said the wrong thing, okay, in that country. Because it's happened to people. They they get disappeared. I'm not saying they would do that to Ovechkin, but we know the history. You know, where do you think all the jokes came from back in the day about going to Siberia and all that stuff? You know, they don't treat people very well who uh, who are dissenting People. Okay. So all, all you need to remember is what happened to Artemi Panarin uh, a season or so ago when he criticized the government of Russia and Vladimir Putin, and he had to leave the league and take time off to go over and get his affairs in order because of the pressure they put on him with a uh, a slanderous story and the pressure they were putting on his family. So um, it's a different, a little different world, even in terms of you know you see people getting you know attacked here. It's different over there. They can make it uh, pretty rough. So I don't think it was fair to continue to try and get him to renounce his government in that situation because he is high profile and they may not go after him as much as they did Panarin because Ovi's usually been a supporter. But um, it, it, it's not easy for him to make the, the statement that they were trying to pull out of him. Back in 1968, the Russians and some other countries who were involved in the Warsaw Pact so they were part of the Soviet Union, uh, joined forces. 500,000 troops went into Czechoslovakia to take over in Prague. And there was an uprising there called the uh, Spring, Prague Spring. Yarmir Yager's family was involved in that. And that's why Yager wears number 68. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, there was uh, 1968. Uh, you know, both my uh, Grandfathers, they were in jail because the communists, uh, you know, one for seven years, other one for eight. So, you know, the, our family had kind of tough time. And uh, during the 68, when the, when the revolution happened, it was just half of the year in our, uh, in our country. And, it, you know, it was half of the year was a freedom. So all the people who were politically put in the jail, they got released. So... My my uh, my grandfather got released from the jail and he died in '68. So you know, I, I I said myself because I spent so much time with my with my grandmother because my parents were working so hard. So so she was always you know telling me all the stories all the stories. So you know I said you know when I gonna have a chance to 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 wear the number, whatever I want, uh, I gonna choose '68. Great story, and he had a picture of Ronnie Reagan in his book, his uh, at school. Yeah, he um he he was very appreciative of of how things went at that time in terms of I guess the U.S. involvement and how the 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 Soviet Union was changed during that period in history. And he lived through some really crazy stuff with his family. Actually, yeah, that even though the Czechs didn't resist the way the Ukrainians are resisting right now, they that whole incident shed more light on the Soviet Union, and it was kind of the beginning of the end. It took a while until 1991 for the Berlin yeah. Wall to come down. But, you know, it, it was a, certainly a, a, a big a big moment in the, in the process of the dissolution 
of the Soviet Union there in the in the Czech Republic. So Yarmir Yager sure. has a very personal feelings about that, obviously, and thought you'd like to hear what he had to say. That was an interview he did when he was a member of the Florida Panthers. So we have a couple of minutes left, Matt, so back to hockey. The Penguins and the Rangers today are Temi Panarin. You mentioned him. He is a dynamic hockey player, always fun when he comes to town. So uh, it's, it's going to be a, a really neat showdown between these two teams. I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully the fact that it is such an important game and it's a great rivalry between the Penguins and Rangers will get some emotion in the game, the kind of emotion that I think the Penguins need to be successful. Uh, and I hope they can get some secondary scoring today. Uh, that would really help the cause. You get a, a goal from somebody you haven't seen one from in a while because you, you know they're going to come out guns blazing, the Rangers. They're, Panarin's going to want to come and score against the Penguins. He usually finds a way to get on the board in some capacity. He's leading them in scoring, I think, 55 and 46 games this season. So um, I hope it's not a hot goalie syndrome day, Stag, because we saw that in the last one against the Devils, and you're seeing a more talented, more outstanding goalie today if it is Shesterkin, which I imagine it will be. But maybe this is the day Kasperi Kapanen gets himself going. That would go a long way towards helping this team win a hockey game. Can we play coach real quickly? Uh, I would like to see Jeff Carter put between Zach Aston Reese and Brock McGinn to try to create a reasonable facsimile of that Bluger line. I don't think they're going to do it, but I'd like to see it. And I'd like, I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't bother me if Kasperi Kapanen uh, got a day off. I think he could use it, actually. No, I, I keep waiting for it to happen. I'm surprised that it hasn't. He has found himself elevated and then knocked down the lineup a handful of times that's not working so maybe sit him down I do think Jeff Carter is a good defensive forward he can win face-offs and he can bring a lot of that same thing that we talk about losing with Teddy Bluger and Ryan Reeves will be stirring the pot today I would imagine and that's not a bad thing because it might draw the Penguins into a he battle. spoke highly of Sid yesterday too no he loves Sid and I, and I think the feeling is mutual you know no question about it all right, we'll have the game for you. It's a 3 o'clock game. We'll have the pregame show for you at 2 or 2.30, depending on the network station. We're really looking forward to this game this afternoon. For Brian Metzer, Chris Schwanke, Wayne Gretzky-Anderson, this is Paul Steigerwell. This has been Penguins Live Weekly. We're here every Saturday morning. We'll talk to you later this afternoon on the Penguins Radio Network, presented by S&T Bank. Hey there, hockey fans. Jim Shorty III here inviting you to check out our Mitsubishi starting lineup. Eclipse Cross, Outlander Sport, and our MVP, the all-new 2022 Outlander with third-row seating and loaded with great equipment. And all backed by that unbeatable 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Our opponents can't compete because we stock more and we sell them for less. Your deal, your way. What a great day. Check them out at ShortyMitsubishi.com. Some chefs have a secret ingredient. Well, we found the perfect secret ingredient, 7-Up. That's right, 7-Up has just the right balance of bubbles and flavor. That's why you can do a lot with it, like 7-Up pancakes, cupcakes, guacamole, carnitas, and oh yeah, don't forget the cocktails. You can make 7-Up whiskey, sangria, margaritas, and much more. Go to 7-Up.com to find more recipes. Visit your nearest local retailer and pick up a 7-Up 20-ounce bottle. 7-Up is the official soda sponsor of your Pittsburgh Penguins. Do more with 7-Up. Please drink responsible. 7-Up is a registered trademark of Dr. Pepper 7-Up Incorporated. Hey, Pittsburgh Penguins fans, this is Selena Pompiani. You know what's as classic as Jeff Jimerson singing the national anthem at a Pens game? Glidden paint on your walls. Glidden premium interior and exterior paint is easy to use, affordable, and provides a great-looking finish. Oh, and it's available online and in stores at the Home Depot starting at under $20. Skate full speed into your next DIY project with Glidden by PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins. No matter what level athlete you are, you know how to bring it. And you can't let a sports injury slow you down. 
Experts at UPMC Sports Medicine cater to the needs of athletes and active people of all ages. We offer individualized treatment plans, advanced surgical options, physical therapy, and more to get you back in the game sooner. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit upmc.com forward slash sports medicine.